This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Monday afternoon. Hope you had a nice weekend. Thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon. I have to say, as the unity vote approached on the weekend, and of course the progressive conservatives had been voting for a few days prior to that, I thought, well, this seems like it's a slam dunk. I know despite the fact the Wild Rose needed 75%, I was pretty confident that they were going to support, both the Wild Rose and the PCs were going to support unifying under this new United Conservative Party. But at the back of my mind, I thought, could it happen again? We have been so wrong, it seems, in some of our political prognostications in the last little while that you think, yeah, that seems pretty straightforward. Oh, wait, it didn't happen that way. So we definitely want to talk about that this hour. And I want to give you a chance to weigh in as well. I want to hear your thoughts on the new party, which really I think at this point is a name. It's, it's just a name, doesn't have a leader, doesn't have any clear policies other than to be united to defeat the NDP in the next provincial election, which should be in 2019. But who knows what Ms. Notley could have up her sleeve. She might want to try to catch this new party off guard. So I want to bring in Lori Williams. She is Associate Professor of Political Science, Mount Royal University. She joins us today. Hello, Lori. Hi, Angela. Were you at all surprised? Did you think, yeah, this is going to be a slam dunk? They're going to agree to unity? I wasn't sure because of the high threshold for the Wild Rose. Uh, certainly there were indications that it was um, fairly strong among some, but with those very vociferous opponents and high-profile opponents to the Wild Rose merger, threatening to form a new party if the merger went through. Uh, I wondered if they'd reached the 75% threshold, and I certainly didn't think they'd go to 95 That really surprised me. I was just a little suspicious that both parties ended up having 95% support. That's mm-hmm. just the conspiracy theorist in me. But, yes, yeah, so overwhelming support. What do we make, though, of, and this is just the numbers, because going into it, uh, I think the Tories had around 50,000 members. The Wild Rose had around 40,000. But when you look at the number of people who turned out, I think combined, what, 27,000 for the Tories, about 25,000 for the Wild Rose. So combined, we had what, 52,000. So mm-hmm. does that, do, do you read anything into that, that um, a lot of people had memberships with either party but didn't vote at all? Yeah, and some had, had memberships with both, party, uh, with both parties. I was, I was a bit surprised. Uh, we, we saw the numbers at about 57% for the Wild Rose, and I was surprised it was that low given the passion that's associated mm-hmm. with this. Because a lot of those people who uh, joined the party, or, or who voted rather, joined the party precisely because they were in order to be able to vote. And, and so, yeah, I was a bit surprised the voter turnout or participation rate wasn't a bit higher than it was. But um, even though the voter turnout was not perhaps as high as we would have expected, that 95% margin um, offsets any possible claims that there was uh, you know, a bunch of people bought, uh, bought memberships so that they could make it go their way. This was a very decisive victory in both parties. Well, and as I said, I didn't want to dwell too much on those numbers because really in the end, the only number that is of importance, as you say, 95% for both those parties and members are, are ready to go forward with this new party. But as I said in my open, all we know about this party is its name. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm wondering where we go from here. We had Richard Starkey saying he can't be part of the United Conservative Party. But I, I thought, well, what is the party? Why is he already saying that it's not a party he wants to be part of? Well, he's saying something about the front front runners, or perhaps maybe all of the runners for the for the leadership right now. Uh, given their history, their record, the policies they've associated themselves with, he's he's uh, anticipating, uh, probably quite rightly, that they are going to take a, a fairly hard turn to the right, um, both fiscally and, of course, socially. And so that um, is something that he's not on board with. The progressive part of progressive conservatives uh, is expected to certainly take second place, if it's going to take any place at all, in the new party. And um, so centrist or moderate conservatives are looking for a new home, and, and not just Richard Starkey. I mean, he's the highest-profile one. He's got a seat in the legislature, and it's not a good a good start for the new party. Um, but there are other very high-profile... I mean, the former PC party president uh, has left the party, Catherine O'Neill, and is, is uh, looking for somewhere where moderate conservatives can go, a place at the center, center-right, um, that can represent her and, and people like her. And there are other very high-profile former progressive conservatives that are uh, looking actively for a new home. Um, Michael Mandel, former PC, former mayor of, of Edmonton, also amongst those that is trying to find a place for those moderate conservatives. I wonder, though, did Brian Jean already show a bit of his hand, was it last week, two weeks ago, when he almost was hinting about moving away from the hard right? And it, it sounded like he's trying to set himself apart, as we have seen, even as a Wild Rose leader. He, he tries not to enter into any of the social conservative issues. And maybe it was just him already saying he's in leadership campaign mode where he's trying to separate himself from Jason Kenney. Well, there's no question they, they at least so far, have disagreed on gay-straight alliances. Um, Brian Jean has come uh, come out fully in favor of them, and, and Jason Kenney's position um, has raised questions about whether he does or or doesn't support him. It, it's, a, it's a tepid, qualified sort of support at best. So the, the question of social conservatism uh, is an issue for both of them, I have to tell you, but... Um, the question will be, can they convince Albertans that they are not going to go the way of the Wild Rose Party, that those those issues that were associated with the Wild Rose Party historically that stopped Albertans from supporting uh, or electing them to government, um, whether or not those issues uh, and concerns can be can be set aside. And, and it's not just social conservatism that, that concerns many moderate conservatives. It's going too far into fiscal conservatism. I mean, many people look back at Ralph Klein, popular though he was, and those deep cuts wound up costing much more than, than um, would have been expected at the time that they were instituted. Um, they didn't save as much money as was anticipated, and a more nuanced approach would have been more effective. And so they look at perhaps somebody like Derek Fildebrandt, who, or, or even Doug Schweitzer, who's, who's quite uh, fiscally conservative, and they, they might think, well, they're going too far in that direction, and they're worried about the impact of that. Uh, so, I mean, this has always been the question, whether principled progressive conservatives and principled wild rosers would be able to set aside their differences against the common uh, opposition of, 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 the, of the NDP, and right out of the gate, we're seeing some, some very high-profile people saying no.
Well, you know what? I almost uh, wanted to say that because, in a way, has the political horse left the barn when it comes to the NDP winning in that upset provincial election? And whether or not Albertans are as difficult as it is for some people to admit it, that they might have a hard time saying, I'm not sure I, I want to see a strong fiscal conservative government run this province. Because I think it was Danielle earlier today, someone even asked her, would you run for the leadership of this new UCP? And she said, I might run for the leadership, but she even admitted that I don't think I could win a general election because she doesn't think the majority of Albertans could really swallow the fiscal conservative policy that it would take to, you know, get rid of debt, layoffs, as you say, going back to the Klein era. I think there are a lot of people who, I mean, it's long enough ago that some Albertans, especially young ones, may not remember, but those young ones tend to be more more centrist anyway. Um, there are many conservatives in Alberta who are, are have questions about whether that was the wisest approach, and they, they are looking for somebody who will be a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more balanced in their approach. You don't have to slay the deficit uh, in one mandate. It can happen over time, and, and there is the argument that within reason, especially with low interest rates, borrowing in the short term to invest in the economy can actually stimulate economic growth and can replenish uh, government coffers in a way that's that's sort of a win-win. Lori, I want to take a break here because, as I said, the United Conservative Party hasn't really laid out any policies. They're going to have their leadership vote October 28th, but I want to find out from you what you think, how this party will look as it prepares to face the NDP in the next provincial election. Lori Williams is my guest, Associate Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. And you can continue to text us, 403-974-8255, but I, de- I definitely will open up the phone lines at 3.30 because I want to hear your opinion on this as well. We're back after this. Yes, and continue to send in your texts. I will share those at 3.30 after the news, and plus I want to open up the phone lines. Lori Williams is my guest this half hour, though, Associate Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. And we are talking about the new, the newest Alberta party, the United Conservative Party, even though I'm still getting some text people saying UPC, but it's UCP. Who knows? They might have to change that name as well. But, uh, Lori, one person here says the U. PC, UCP is not taking a hard turn to the right. It's just going back to normal. But I would say to that texter, what even gives them any evidence of that? Because have we heard any type of policy? I just remember when Jason Kenney ran for the PC and wanted to unite the two parties, all he would ever say was, this is the only way we're going to be able to defeat the NDP. Have I missed some policy announcements? The only policy we know uh, that uh, there appears to be agreement on is scrapping the carbon tax. Um, other than that, it's sort of pro-business, pro-oil, um, investment-friendly, uh, you know, sort of general um, apple pie kind of promises. Nothing socially conservative, though. Oh, no, and, and there will not be yeah. anything. Uh, there will not be. But, but remember, during this very campaign, there's been an issue over, at least between uh, Brian Jean and, and Jason Kenney, over gay-straight alliance. Right. And there's the history of the party. Um, now, it, it might be something that they can overcome. It might be uh, less of a concern for a variety of reasons. Um, but it's not... I mean, we saw Stephen Harper, for example, just say, we're not going to go there. We're not going to deal with those issues. Um, but the other concern is the degree of, of fiscal conservatism or the nature of the fiscal conservatism. Because there's a broad agreement 
in Alberta about trying to, to manage finances responsibly. Even Rachel Notley's government agrees with that. Um, the problem is that their, their borrowing doesn't have a really credible or clear plan for, for coming back to balance yeah. at this point in time. But, you know, there's broad agreement on, on trying to manage <clears throat> finances responsibly. The, the question is what's, which party has the best uh, plan for doing so. I'm sure it's too early because we still don't even know who's going to run for the leadership other than we've got Brian, Gene. I mean, Jason Kenney didn't even want to say that he was running because he. I heard in a news conference where he said, I won't announce that yet. But we know full well that he's going to be running for the new party. And as you said, uh, Mr. Schweitzer, um, Derek Fildebrandt, again, not confirmed, but it seems like uh, they're going to be throwing their name in as well. Do you have any speculation who the new leader could be of this new party? Well, it's a very difficult question because in the polling so far, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> I'm just taking a drink of water. You can too. I'm losing you, Lori. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll let I'm her. Here, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I'll let so, you pause. So it's a difficult question, and why? Well, because we don't yet know. Um, <coughs> excuse me, Angela. We don't yet know if we have all the all the people in place, but the, the polling so far has. Brian Jean slightly ahead of Jason Kenney, and they're in the 20s. Uh, someone else, some unnamed other, has actually polled higher than they have in some polls. <clears throat> so the question is whether Albertans think that either of these leaders can unite ordinary voters, people who aren't you know, as engaged in politics as those who voted in this, in this merger. Um, they're wondering whether they can appeal more broadly to Albertans. And, and that's the big question. Um, Neither of them are uh, without baggage, without liabilities. <clears throat> and someone else came, I mean, we've heard the talk about Rona Ambrose. <clears throat> yeah. has got a good record, very positive, a very moderate conservative, um, very principled, um, <laughs> very effective as leader. <clears throat> so the question is uh, whether somebody from outside, the, well, maybe not outside the province, but somebody with a high profile with political skills might be able to actually um, do a better job of leading because this is going to come the success of this party is going to come down to leadership vision obviously policies matter and um, and party structure and and I'm going to put it out here and I'll go on and on with my questions so that you can get a good glass of water here but but I think you raise a really valid point because Brian Jean, Jason Kenney, Derek Fildebrandt, they all come with baggage. And in order for people to maybe buy into a whole new party, then you probably, as you say, would have to have someone who would be, well, politically connected, but probably would bring in more interest. And that's then my concern is that even when you say about Ron Ambrose being a more moderate conservative, well, that was the reason the Wild Rose was born almost 10 years ago, because there was a core group of people who thought the PCs had become too progressive. Well, too progressive and, and entitled. I mean, that was part of the yeah. issue as well. Uh, they weren't socially conservative enough. All of those were issues that were raised. But, but under Danielle Smith's leadership, and remember, the Wild Rose really took off under her leadership. She refused to deal with those issues. Yeah. The challenge she faced is she wasn't able to control... The, um, the eruption of, uh, of dissent. When, when, her, when her support went down, when questions um, arose about whether she could lead them into uh, electoral victory, then 
people started to raise the social conservative issues uh, again. In mm. other words, she wasn't able to sort of control those eruptions or prevent them from happening in the way Stephen Harper did federally. Her leadership style being more consultative, more open, um, her, her ideology being libertarian, all of those things made it very difficult for her to, to control those internal elements. Uh, now, Jason Kenney probably could control those internal elements, but the question is whether that kind of control is the kind of thing that's going to really play well in Alberta. I mean, you look at some of the leaders that are, are generating a lot of support uh, historically, or at least recently in Alberta. Um, you, you look at Nahed Menshi or Rachel Notley. Um, these, are, these are people that are um, more open to entertaining disagreement and, and, and dissent, and that just hasn't worked very well in the Wild Rose Party historically. So there are a lot of different reasons why people moved into the Wild Rose Party. The ones who did that for principle and aren't willing to compromise on principle, who aren't as concerned about election, I think they are relatively few in numbers. Yeah. looks like most of those, those people are setting their principles aside, as they did many times under Daniel Smith's leadership, setting their principles a second to um, defeating the, the government. Okay, we've talked a lot about the new party. What about the existing party? So for those people who think that this new party is just going to be too right for them, will we see um, movement to the Alberta party, the Alberta liberal, the NDP, or heaven forbid, another party, and then we're going to have a, a vote split even more? Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting question, uh, and this will become clearer, I think, in the lead-up to the next election. It's, it's going to essentially be a fight amongst all of the parties for the center, Whoever has a credible uh, vision that is sort of a moderate, balanced, big tent sort of vision that a lot of people can buy into, that's going to be the, the successful party. Now, obviously, Rachel Notley being in government will have a history and lots of things that the opposition can criticize, but it's not like Jason Kenney and Brian Jean don't have histories that can be criticized mm -hmm. either. So. Uh, it's, I mean, this definitely made, this merger is going to make things more difficult for Rachel Notley and the NDP. There's no question about that. But it isn't uh, a foregone conclusion that they're going to lose the next election. If the economy is in better shape and the deficit is, is coming into at least a plan for balance, um, there is going to be a very interesting race going on here. And so it's going to, it's going to be a question of where those, those um, moderate or centrist voters go. Do they go to the Alberta Party? one member in the legislature, it'd be a tall order for them to actually take government in the next election. Yeah. Or do they go um, with the NDP? I mean, hold their nose, much as they did in the last election, because flawed though it is, that's, that's the best balance that's, that's being presented to them, and the one that has the most likelihood of success. These are really interesting questions that we won't have any sense of the, uh, of the answer to until, first of all, we know who the leader is of the, this new party, what their policy platform and structure are, the vision that they're presenting, um, and what's happening economically and politically between now and two years from now. And could it be two years, or could it be one year? Well, theoretically, it could be. Um, with the polls where they are right now, I, I sincerely doubt. That That and the fact that the last time somebody called an early election, <laughs> exactly. they, they got really Didn't work repudiated. Out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of reasons why people yes. voted against against um, Jim Prentice's Conservative Party, a long history of, of issues that sort of just came to a head, and the fact there was a credible alternative of uh, somebody with, with um, charisma, with a vision, uh, good leadership skills in Rachel Notley, and that combination mm -hmm. made it possible to change government. Uh, we don't have as well established a government in place right now. There are a lot of people that are angry with the, the NDP, but I'm also struck, and I'm sure you've heard this too, Angela, 
how many people will say, I'm not an mvp but she's not doing a bad job. Or, you know, if she improved this, I could vote for her again, or, yeah. or something like that. So I think what we're getting is a, a, a much less ideologically um, rigid set of voters who are willing to, now that they've tried it once and seen that the, the sky didn't fall, are going to be a little bit more open to alternatives, and they may be voting for who they think will, if not the best, then the least bad government mm. in, the next, in the next cycle. Okay, Lori, go get a big glass of water. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Lori Williams, Associate Professor of Political Science at Mount Royal University. I'm over time. Let's get the phone calls and texts coming. We'll talk about that after this. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.